Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And despite the sunny sounding name of this town, man, it feels so cold still. I know I'm complaining because uh, temperatures in the 50s uh, may not seem all that cold to some of you, but. It's been cold here, and uh, I'm now a wimp, despite the fact that I grew up in the great state of Minnesota where we used to be very prideful about our ability to tolerate and, and enjoy the cold. Well, I don't enjoy it anymore, I'll tell you that much. Anyway, so before we begin, I want to do remind you again uh, that there is a website associated with this podcast called wellformula.com and that's where there's lots of goodies such as you know you've got various uh, downloads and videos and webinars it's also where you can sign up for some of our lists for example the accredited investor group investor club uh, that's where you can sign up there if you are an accredited investor and uh, you are interested in potentially looking at some deal flow with us you can sign up there otherwise there's also an opportunity to um, be part of a private online community called Wealth Formula Network. And you can check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com. It's basically a course, the little video thing, the sales video. Don't take that seriously because I didn't write it. You can tell it's not me. I had some internet marketer do that a long time ago. But bottom line is it's a really good course with some smart people in there talking about personal finance. But really, the real value after that comes from this bi-weekly Zoom conference calls that we do on there and also our Facebook page, etc. So anyway, check that out, wealthformularoadmap.com. Now, as for today, we're talking about, uh, you know, a catchy name here, death without taxes. And what am I referring to? Well... Again, Ben Franklin said, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Now, curiously, there's a bunch of longevity science going on right now. Got me really interested. Do I think that that uh, is going to eliminate death anytime soon? No, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But I think we may live a lot longer than we think we will right now. And I also think that eventually... Uh, we may solve this uh, death problem, but I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime. As for taxes, well, Ben Franklin said that, uh, you know, there's death and taxes, but I know that many of you 
do not pay income taxes because of, you know, the various ways that you're making money and the way that you're investing. Uh, there's a hint there in that probably involves a real estate professional status. So that's the part of the death and tax equation that you probably, probably can get away from the tax part, except when you die, right? When you die, theoretically, there's another kind of punitive tax. You get punished for dying. It's called the death tax, and that kicks in or maybe kicks you in the ass when you die. The death tax is sometimes also, fortunately, referred by some as the stupid tax because it has been creatively dealt with by a lot of savvy estate attorneys for years. And what they would tell you is that if you had all kinds of money and you needed this kind of planning in order not to you know, have your heirs pay estate taxes, they would tell you that you might have been kind of stupid while you were living and therefore the stupid tax Anyway, all this stuff might seem a bit complicated because you're like, well, gosh, I'm not super ultra high net worth, whatever that means. After all, that estate tax thing doesn't really kick in till $25 million uh, if you're a married couple. Well, that's true for now, uh, but various tax laws are changing and that amount gets cut in half in just about uh, you know two years and i will tell you this much don't be surprised if it shrinks way less than that i think bernie sanders was asking for something like a half million bucks it's kind of crazy but ask yourself another question here so okay so now as a couple that estate tax even in the next couple years shrinks to 12 and a half million and if you're single like me it's like six million Okay, do you think that by the end of your life, now you're already a rocking and rolling, you know, 30, 40, 50 something year old who's got plenty of time to live and let your money grow. Do you think that you're likely to have an estate greater than $12.5 million if you are married or $6 million if you're single by the time you die? Well, if you listen to this podcast, if you're listening here, if you're participating, say, in Investor Club even, those kinds of people, I would say there's a good chance that the answer of whether or not you accumulate that much of an estate is absolutely yes. There's a very good chance of that. In other words, don't think that the words irrevocable trust and, you know, gifting strategies and all these do not apply to you because you aren't worth that much today. And because of that, it's probably a pretty good idea for you to at least know what your options are. So even if you believe you'll never get wealthy, uh, there are some things that pretty much everyone should do, everyone should know, and everyone should do when it comes to estate planning. These things that I'm talking about are inexpensive and only have to be done once. Okay, it's simple. A will and trust, a living trust, will and living trust, easy. Okay, if you want to like, you know, hang up on the podcast now, you can do that. But these are the things that you critically must have. If you want to learn why, stay tuned because I've got my estate planning attorney, Joe Longo, on this show. And Joe's going to go through some of those basics. And I think they're important because I have to tell you in talking with investors, it's probably the most underappreciated aspect of personal finance that there is because everybody thinks that 
they're immortal or they just think they're too young to be planning for this stuff. Well, tell that to the guy who gets hit by the bus. It just doesn't work that way. But anyway, even if you don't have the big cash and you don't think you ever will or whatever, you're you're, going to at least need this much. And so I highly recommend you stay tuned to this podcast and listen to my interview with Joe Longo when we come back. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is, uh, is he's been on before. He's a friend of the show, Joe Longo. Joe has uh, had three-plus decades uh, in practice as an attorney, probate, litigation, sports, uh, asset protection, trust, and estate planning. Uh, he helps me with my uh, estate planning. Um, uh, part of my uh, uh, whole team there, which is... Uh, gotten uh, kind of significant, but uh, it's helpful to have a guy like Joe. Um, you know, again, his clients have ranged from small families to publicly traded international corporations, professional athletes, professional sports franchises, leagues, individuals. Uh, uh, Joe is a, is a former college football player at Brown, right? Uh, which hey, I think is super Many cool. moons ago. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that before. But anyway, welcome back, Joe. Hey, I, I really thank you for having me, Buck. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you. You know, Joe's, uh, Joe, you're, you're really, I mean, a, really interesting. We were talking about uh, offline here that, you know, you also are involved a lot in uh, sports and, you know, representing pe- uh, professional athletes and stuff like that. And those guys obviously end up with a lot of money, right? And you know, they, they end up uh, needing a lot of help. Do you, do you feel like uh, these guys are off subject, but do you feel like these guys generally are pretty well set up with guys like you or is, are your you know, guys in the anomaly? A lot of my, I, I get, you know, I, it's interesting. Um, I would say for the most part, these guys all hire good lawyers and financial people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you read about the bad things that happen, but yeah. I'd say for the most part, these guys get good advice. Yeah. And the financial advisors and the insurance people and lawyers are a lot more sophisticated now than they were when I first started. And it seems that these guys are getting much better advice. But you got to remember, their estates now are far greater yeah. you know, than when I first started. I mean, you know, 
the the minimum salary in baseball is like 720 grand now you know when i first started it was 100 okay so yeah. you know it's 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 and that's on the low end of the spectrum right. um, i mean these know, guys are like half billion dollar yeah, there's, it's insane. Yeah, there's 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 billions of dollars in free agent contracts that are out there and with that comes the same tax problems you know, state planning issues for their children, um, you know, that, that you get with a normal high net worth individual. So, and, and, and the good news is, is these guys seem to pay attention and understand that the importance of planning and, and preserving wealth and, you know, minimizing a, a tax, both income tax and state tax. So, yeah, you know, and they hire professionals to give them advice to do that. So, you know, but yeah, no, most of them are pretty well set up. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's, uh, let's cut, let's a little bit, talk a little bit about, um, you know, obviously you, uh, you know, you, a, a big bread and butter part of your, uh, practice is still, uh, asset protection and estate planning. And, and certainly we talked about asset protection before with Doug Laudmel, but why don't mm-hmm. kind of circle back on estate planning and start, um, it's always good to get a little review. I think it's the one in my experience, just talking to investors in our group. I mean, it's really the one thing that really gets swept um, under the carpet, people don't like to think about it. I think there's a level of denial, um, and a, a thought that, um, you know, that, that it, there, you know, it sort of admits to mortality or something like that, that, that prevents people from thinking about this. But let's start with the real basics here. I mean, what, what's the point? Okay. Who needs uh, estate planning and what's the point? You know, it's, it's, it's really important for all of us to do some planning for exit, not for us personally, it's more for our families. Okay. So, and most people care about their spouse and care about their children and want to make sure everything's taken care of and buttoned up. Um, And I always tell clients, because you're right, it's, it's, it's the last thing on our list we want to take care of on a daily basis. And you're right. Some people refuse to even acknowledge that you know, we are going to exit this earth someday. So it's okay. It's just consulting an estate planning attorney like myself, allow, you know, you, you really need to do, do a good job one time and we don't appear every year. I mean, I have some very sophisticated estate plans where there's maintenance every year, but for most people, 95% of people, I've got to get a joint living trust with my wife or you're not married, a, an individual living, revocable living trust so that I can transfer my assets to the people named in my trust, a very smooth and easy process. You know, when I, when I first started 32 years ago, you could, if you died in LA County without a will or with a will, which also has to go through probate court, probate court lasted a couple of months. Now it's going to be, you know, a year and a half to two years. And that's on a case with no objections and really smooth sailing. It's also, I tell clients, it's a black hole of attorney's fees and costs getting through probate. So the only way around that, and the only way around that in most states is a is a living trust. Because yeah. the probate codes in most states allow, a living trust is like a contract. And most states have code sections that acknowledge that contract to allow you to transfer your assets you know, to your children or grandchildren or whoever you're leaving your assets to. So let's, let's take one step back here real quick and say, you know, okay, what's the difference between uh, a will and a living trust? What, and why do you need both? Great question. And I, you know, and I explain to clients, a will, a will serves 
um, a, a purpose, and it, and it was the originally uh, named document that most people had because you could probate a will, like I said, pretty seam- and, and seamlessly and easily. And I, I think in Florida, you can still do it in a matter of weeks, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all changed, and things got more complex. And so a living trust is actually a document that allows you to do it outside of court, okay? Which And, and it's private. It's confidential. Like your assets are going to transfer. Whatever you're doing is not going to end up in a public court setting, okay? And it's much less fees and costs to transfer your assets through a living trust and a will. So I think most attorneys are going to recommend that the, 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 the mothership document, shall we say, should be the living trust. Right. But the will, you still need a will. Correct. Well, it, like in states that are similar to California, like all states, we, we, we encourage you to also have a will and we call that a pour of a will. And essentially in layman terms, it just means like if you forgot to put anything in a trust, a pour of a will will help pour it into the trust okay. so you can avoid probate. So that's, I mean, that's, that's in, you know, especially for this audience, I mean, this audience is, you know, a lot of professionals and people have making at least, you know, six figures and above. That's the bare minimum. Will and trust. The bare minimum, yes. Yeah. Will and trust really probably in all 50 states, right? I mean, for the most part. In all 50 states. Yeah. I think it's really important to have will and trust. The other set of documents that you will hear about, um, whether it's online or consulting with a professional is the directives we call it, like the durable power of our attorney. Yeah. If I become impa- incapacitated, my wife can conduct business on my behalf until I recover. Right. I get, I'm getting a lot of those requests now because people are living longer. Dementia, some form of dementia, like Alzheimer's becoming part of life and, and people need, you know, my father's doing okay, but he's being diagnosed with dementia and he has all these bank accounts and I can't get into them. And he doesn't, you know, if you had a durable power of attorney, you know, you'd be able to handle those accounts and be able to handle business. Um, the healthcare directives are also important. Um, you know, hospitals are requiring authorizations to talk to you about your loved one's treatment, um, you know, and those cover those. So there's some other things that go into for people with children under the age 18, a guardianship nomination in case something happens to you. There's other documents that go into a plan that are basic documents that you would need, but you just want to cover yourself, everything in the event of disability or death. Got it. Let's kind of, you know, before we move on, um, probate, you described that probate by definition when you die, um, if you don't have a uh, a living trust, that basically is the process by which the courts determine who gets what. And as you were pointing out, this is something that is easily avoidable, but it is um, and it, because it's extremely expensive. And you think about this situation where all of a sudden you die, your family's mourning, your kids are upset, and your you know your spouse or whatever. And the next thing you know, no one has any, you know, can get access to any of these assets to pay the bills that are still coming in. And that's where avoiding probate becomes critically important and not, not to mention extremely expensive, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole concept here is you want to avoid probate. Fair? And and you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Buck, for your loved ones. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult process. It's expensive and they're still mourning the loss with a living trust. It's a much easier process is much shorter timeline, you know, and, and, and much less expensive. So I think you're right. Um, 
it, 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 it living trust, you do it once, you get it done. You, you now have the comfort of knowing that your family's going to avoid probate court. And these are not really expensive things to do either. That's the other thing. So no, yeah, a lot of estate planning attorneys do them on fixed fees. Now, when I first started, it was a lot of hourly and, and some people charge hourly too, but you know, you, the, the rates will run anywhere fixed fees of 1500 all the way up to 6,500 just depends on the level of complexity how and how many documents are involved and how big the family is. And again, how big the assets are, because sometimes we have to do advanced estate planning techniques to help you avoid, help the estate avoid estate tax, mm-hmm. which is different from income tax. So let's talk about what exactly that is, is I think it's a good review and, um, and it's, and it's actually something maybe um, in the past few years that maybe, you know, 20% of my, uh, audience may have to worry about, but I think it's going to, because of some laws you can talk about, probably going to affect maybe even the majority of, of people who listen to the show. And talk about what exactly is the um, state tax. Yeah, so so upon our death, obviously we owe one more income tax return, okay? But um, we're also going to, IRS also says you now own, oh, a 706 estate tax return. Okay. And, and right now, currently the estate tax is the highest it's ever been at approximately 12 million per person. So what does that mean? I can leave $12 million worth of assets to anybody I want, but everything above that's going to be taxed at 40% on every dollar. Okay. Um, to just give you an ex- idea of how much it's grown, my father passed away in the 80s, and when he died, the estate tax was 600000 Okay, um, It's gone up and down over the years, but we are currently in a climate where it's the highest it's ever been. For a married couple, you can double that. So approximately 24, it's almost $25 million now. Now, on January, under the current law, the current estate tax sunsets on December 31st of 2025, wherein on, on January 1st of 2026, it cut gets cut in half, okay, and goes down to six approximately $6 million per person. So that's 12 men for a married couple. So let's say a married couple had, um, you know, a, 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 a $22 million estate, okay? Their kids would get the first $12 million tax-free, okay? Uh, but the final $10 million would be taxed at 40%. So the kids would owe $4 million on, on, that would be the estate tax due within nine months of the second parent, the surviving parents passing. Okay. Wait a second. So that, that's, so I'm a little confused by that. So, so if you have 25 million combined, the timing on that, I was, can you, can you explain that to again? Because I guess if one parent dies, and um, then, the tax is not owed upon the death of the first parent. Okay, right. okay, okay, got it, got it. So then there's then this additional part of it that, um, and then and then if you think about like you know that first parent or that first person dying, there's a pretty good chance there's a pretty big sum of say life insurance or something else coming in there to expand that um, uh, that estate even more. 
Yeah, I, I, I get that question a lot. Like, hey, hey, Joe, what what actually is valued in your estate? You can assume everything, okay? Yeah. yeah. And and that includes life insurance proceeds, the value of your retirement accounts, all of the the value of your real estate. Um, so that that's what a that's what you need need to get valued upon the death of parents, okay? Because that's how the tax is calculated and the IRS wants 40% on every dollar above the debt tax exemption. Okay, so let's talk about what you can do if you're in this position. What's the next step of complexity that we're talking about? Yeah, so there's a couple simple things, you know, that you can do uh, if you have children. One is, you know, let's try and get some assets out of your estate during your lifetime. Okay, uh, why don't I just give my children um, every dollar I own over $12 million, my wife and I over $12 million. Well, there's limits, okay? So uh, the IRS is wise to that. Um, you're allowed currently to give away, an, it's an annual exemption, tax-free annual exemption of 17000 okay? And then there's also a lifetime exemption um, that's equal to the death tax of approximately $12 million per person. So, so you can give away 17000 a year, um, uh, to anyone you want. And you is that per child or is that total? It's 17,000 per person. So you can give it to your children and grandchildren if you wanted to. So you okay. could, okay. But then you have a maximum and what was that maximum again? The maximum is, is equal to the debt tax exemption, which is currently approximately 12 million. So let's just say you gave away 6 million during your lifetime. Okay. Your, your exemption is only 6 million upon your death. Okay, because you've used six million, but then people say, "Well, why would I give away the six million during my lifetime?" And I know a lot of your listeners are are real estate investors. Real estate giving away six million of real estate during your lifetime. Let's say you gave it to your kids at age fifty, mm-hmm. and you lived at age eighty. Okay, that six million will appreciate over the next ten three decades, and let's just say the six million turns into twelve million, where your kids don't. Don't owe the tax on all that appreciation because it's outside of your estate. Okay. That's why people gift during their lifetime. Yeah. That's the annual gift exemption on, I'm sorry, on the lifetime gift exemption on the annual gift exemption of 17,000 a year. You know, I have clients who do it every year. You know, I had a client who had 10 grandchildren and she gave it seven, you know, 170 grand a year. So spread between 10 grandchildren and she just had put them each in growth stocks and just, you know, each child would be able to access the account at age 30. That was mm-hmm. her choice. Okay. And, and again, those for the children or those are, uh, those are not taxable at that point. Not taxable. Those are gift tax free, right. uh, estate tax free gifts. And, and the appreciation is also a uh, gift in estate tax free. Oh, it is. Well. Yeah. No kidding. I didn't know that. Okay. So it grows outside of your estate. Right. Well, right. But it, once it's part of their their estate, though, isn't it? I mean, so. Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. right. So right. any of the tax implications then would be part of their estate. They're, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. You know, and then there's, a, I guess, another level of complexity, which, you know, I've, uh, I've as you know, I've, I've uh, I have some of this stuff going on with various sort of irrevocable trusts. Yeah. And talk a little bit about, in broad terms, what the concept of a trust, uh, an irrevocable trust, in the context of estate planning would be. So there's two kinds of trusts. 
um, an irrevocable trust and a revocable trust. The revocable trust is what most people are out there walking. Um, and why is it re it's revocable? You can change it, modify it, do whatever you want during your lifetime. It becomes irrevocable the day you pass, okay? An irrevocable trust is used, there's many, many types of irrevocable trusts, but just in, as a general concept, I'll use the irrevocable life insurance trust concept, okay? An irrevocable trust is, is is outside your estate, okay? It's not it's not you. It's its own separate entity. <clears throat> you put a life insurance policy in it, okay? And let's say the face value on it's five million when you pass. When you pass, and the five million inside of that irrevocable trust is there, that's not part of your estate. Therefore, it's not subject to the forty percent I talked about earlier on this on this call. So right. it's a way to get assets outside. Simply put, it's a way to get assets outside of your estate that are are not subject to estate tax. And there's other ways to, um, you know, there's other ways to not lose control of that per se, vis-a-vis uh, -vis holding companies and other more complex. Uh, yes, planning. you're exactly right, Buck. You could get more complex uh, structures you know, in place that allow you, you know, to, to, you know, change out the property or, or as long as it's of same value and do some things, hire and fire the trustee, you know, allows you to pick your trustee on that. Um, the only reason you can't serve as a trustee is because uh, it's your property that you're gifting in there. So you really need to cut all ties of access to it. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh huh. Now, what if what if uh, and we're getting very complex now? But um, yeah, and, um, so, <laughs> I don't want to put anyone to sleep. <laughs> oh no, I this this crowd is nerdy. Believe me, this okay. crowd this crowd <laughs> loves this kind of stuff. Uh, let, okay, so we're say we're you have a trust. And what if the trust itself starts a business? In other words, from day one, there's ownership from the trust rather than from an individual. In that situation, presumably, it's already out of the estate. I get, I get that all the time. So, dad owns a successful real estate company, and I'm just for simplicity purposes, let's just say it's all in one LLC. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then what he does is he he has two children, and he has two irrevocable trusts, and he and he gifts ten percent of the company to each child. Right. Dad owns 80%, still has all control of the company, you know, president of the company. Nothing's changed, right, as far as his day-to-day -day operation is. But he's got his two young children are now partners or two grandchildren are partner, 10% partners through a trust, through these irrevocable trusts you just talked about. And as the company grows and they 1031 exchange and other billing, they keep going along, that 10% grows along with the company. And mm -hmm. now they're in those irrevocable trusts. So when dad passes, that 20% is not in his estate and it's not subject to any estate tax. Right. And furthermore, uh, presumably if that trust is, you know, got a bunch of cash sitting in it, it could purchase a business, right? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. You right. Could, like I said, you could keep purchasing businesses. You could keep growing. You could purchase another piece of real estate. You do all kinds of stuff. Even start businesses that are owned. Yeah, by, start right? businesses. Um, I think there's a well-written uh, article about, uh, he just passed, the founder of um, PS Public Storage did that. When he started the company, he gave his son and daughter a lot of shares of the company. And upon his passing, which is pretty recent, within the last couple of years, you know, 
the son and daughter own a sizable chunk of that corporation. They don't own any estate tax. Right, on that. right, right. Um, but when you get into this, so now what I think is an interesting concept for people to remember is that the law recognizes two entities, so to so to speak, in in the big scheme of things. And one is the individual, one is the trust, right? There really is nothing else. You're either, it's an individual or a trust, right? In that's, terms that's of cool. ultimate taxation, because that gets you into, you know, what happens with, you know, taxes when uh, something like that makes money, right? And then you have non-grantor trust versus grantor trust. And I know, again, we're getting complicated, but I'm telling you, this is, there's a weird audience and they're going to like this. <laughs> You're right. You know a lot about this area. So the the trust, there's trust tax rates in the IRS code. And you're right. There's individual tax rates in the IRS code. Mm-hmm. So yes, the government views trusts, certain types of trusts of being separate entities from you and, and, and will tax them differently than you. Right. But in along that lines too, um, if you, uh, so let's talk about let's talk about the going back to the uh, the gifting as it relates to these trusts. So now these trusts, if you're putting money in these trusts, you're subject essentially to the same limit. So again, now instead of giving directly to your kids, you may say, "Well, I want to give to these kids, but why don't we do this just to make it efficient? I'll put it all. I'll put as much money as I can. I'll jam it into these trusts while it's still." you know, well, it's still 12 and a half million and not 6 million, right? I, I, I fully expect a run on the last quarter of 2025 if the law doesn't change. Right. Because, yeah. and you know, the law could change, but it, 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 it let's just say it doesn't. I, I do expect the second half of 2025, people with estates over the exemption limit of approximately 25 million will be calling and saying, Hey, I know the law is about to go down to 12 million. I'd like to set up these trusts for my kids and gift uh, a large portion of my estate to my children through these trusts. And you're right. right. That, that I get that. I get that call regularly in the second half of the year, but uh, you know, I tell clients, keep an eye on the law. We, you know, that's the current change. It's, it's on the horizon. Um, you know, but you got to keep an eye on it because, you know, like I said, it's the highest it's ever been at this point. And, and when we, when the federal government decides to get around looking at the estate tax again, they, you know, there, a change could come. California currently in, in the state, I, I'm in it currently um, does not have a state, um, a state tax. Some states do, but they're currently, I mean, I know, I know there's some rumblings about a wealth tax, which is different. Um, but, but it's certainly currently no estate tax in a state like California. So we only have to worry about the federal estate tax. Right. Right. Okay. So now, um, if you, now if you're in the other thing that in these trusts, you can also, you know, you can also put your life insurance directly in these irrevocable trusts and stuff like that. Um, there's lots of ways again to, you know, potentially, uh, you know, to, to potentially help, uh, your heirs from having to pay these big taxes. Now, when you have these, you know, these clients, um, or maybe not even your clients, but just, you know, ultra high net worth types, um, when I'm talking, you know, hundred million beyond, you know, billionaires and stuff like that. How, is there any way that they can get around? I mean, cause once you gift to a, you know, once you gift to an irrevocable trust or whatever, at that point, I mean, you're, you're, you're wiped out at 25 million at the most. Uh, what, 
and I just can't see there's that these guys are paying that kind of state taxes. What are they doing? There, there's, there's, you know, very sophisticated and advanced yeah. charitable lead trust, uh, grant or annuity trust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of sophisticated, um, advanced estate planning that we can bake into an estate of that size. Um, and, and then the other thing is that, that, you know, you know, that that's popular in estates of those sizes is getting large life insurance policies put into an irrevocable life insurance trust and allowing the heirs to use that money to pay the tax. Yep. Okay. So, um, they're, uh, they're, those types of estates have very sophisticated estate planning and that's probably yeah. a topic of another show on those types <laughs> of estates. I think, I think yeah. a good estate planning attorney will walk through these steps. Yeah. And certainly I try and make, I, I don't like clients listening to my recommendations and their eyes just zoning out because they don't understand what's going on. It's a very complex set of rules, but I try and really go through each step. And even when we're doing a advanced estate planning, I really want the client to understand what they're doing because it, it bothers me when I sit down with a client and say, do you understand how your estate plan works? And maybe a, a prior lawyer had done it and they said, nah, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I really want to make sure they understand what's going on because you should, it's your, it's your estate. Yeah. What, oh, let's just, I'm going to ask you one, one last question on this topic, because obviously there's this, you know, there's estate planning, there's asset protection. If you're doing some of these, you know, techniques, um, where you're you've got things out of your estate because you've gifted them and they're irrevocable trusts are you is the implication there that they are asset protected automatically or not it's uh, a good question generally speaking um irrevocable trusts have asset protection features right particularly if you form them in a a a more favorable state with more robust asset protection statutes like Nevada, Wyoming, so. Nevada, Delaware. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, generally speaking, you're correct. And a, a revocable living trust does mostly do not have asset protection type features in them. Right. Fantastic. Well, uh, I hope I didn't, uh, hope I didn't make this too painful for all my questions <laughs> here for you. Today. No, no, they're, they're great. They're great <laughs> questions. And I, I, I hope you, I hope you and your audience know it's, it's something we all have to do, you know, at least yeah. once. Um, and it's, and, and most good lawyers make it, you know, painless and we get through it and we're done until you want to make a change or until you accumulate more wealth or until you have grandchildren, and you want to take care of them. You know, you're okay. You'll be okay. It won't be that hard. That's, uh so let's talk about um, how people can get a hold of you. And first of all, before sure. we, we go there, maybe I should ask um, for estate planning issues is how important is it to be within your state? So I'm, you're based oh, in California. Great question. Yeah. And this audience is obviously, I mean, really all over the country and at this right. point all over the world. Um, yes. Yeah. State planning is state by state. Right. Okay. There is, there is federal state tax, but it, the, the planning is usually state by state. So it's, it's, it's better to have a licensed lawyer in your state. And certainly if any of your viewers don't know of one, I can help um, as I'm a member of a na nationwide network of estate planning lawyers. So I can help refer them, but I myself sometimes need help in another state. 
So I've had the good fortune of meeting a lot of estate planners in other states, yeah. and uh, and it's very helpful to my practice as well. Fantastic. And how, and how do people get a hold of you, Joe? So um, you can either get my contact information off my uh, website. It's longolawgroup.com, or you can email me directly at jlongo at longolawgroup.com. As always, uh, great to have you. Fun discussion. Thank you, Buck, very much. I appreciate you having me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. So there you go. You death, maybe, probably. Taxes, not necessarily. Maybe not. So 50% isn't bad. We're working on the other one in the longevity science world as well. This is a this is something critically important again, and I just want to say it again because I think if I do you and your heirs any kind of favor, it is to just remind you your bare minimum, your bare minimum is a will and living trust. If you do not have that, it's going to be painful for your heirs when you die, and you know, I I don't think anybody wants that, right? So. That's it for me this week. I'm going to leave that main message there and uh, contact Joe, especially if you live in California, but you know he's offered to kind of hook anybody up with the right person in any state. Contact Joe. He's a really good guy. You could probably tell from the podcast. And uh, that's it for me this week on Well Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.